When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yo, what's poppin' everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Vitamin C's with me, your boy Adam Taylor. As usual, I'm joined by my homies, compadres, co-hosts in crime, Mr. Tim Shields and Mr. Wayne Breezy. What's poppin', y'all? Hey, you. What's good, man? Coming wow. off that L, man. I, I don't like taking L's. Nobody does. I mean, I'm not, I watched it. Uh, so I had an L of a day, right? So get in my car this morning and start driving. Start hearing some noises coming from the car. Long story short, it run me over a G, like paid over a grand to get it fixed. So I dropped the car off at the garage, come back here, watch the game. That's an L. Then I get called with the bill for how much the car's gonna run me. That's an L. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, I'm behind with work because I've had to be running around here, there, and everywhere trying to sort the car out. But there's no car, so now I'm on foot or I'm paying Ubers. That's an L. So the whole day's been an L for me. Sounds like night, you I'm not happy about it. That's a wash, man. That's you got. You got to pack it in. Like that's you know, it. Days it is over. what it is, that's right? It. Like you just got to kind of keep what it ha- moving, man. What happened with your car, man? Oh, dude, it was all all sorts of shit. Brakes, suspension. It was just oh, yeah. everything. One fit yeah. tracking, like yeah. It, just it don't feel a- bad because I just picked my car up about an hour ago, which <laughs> I brought it in on Saturday, and that junk wasn't ready till today because yeah. they broke something in the brake line. Like all I did, all I took my car in for was a tire pressure sensor okay there was a my it wasn't reading and then i said something feels funny with the brakes they were like oh you need calipers oh you need this well when we were changing the caliper this particular thing broke on the the bracket that goes to the brake line broke and i'm like so you broke it yeah well we got to keep your car over the weekend because there's no way we're going to be able to get it done then yesterday they couldn't get it done either because it was still when they were trying to bleed the brakes it was leaking so they had to replace the whole brake line to the opposite side and find where that leak was coming so they just replaced that to make a long story short I just folded footed about a G note too, bro. So listen, at least we're in <laughs> we're in together, bro. We in it you know together. Oh yeah. And I'll tell you this now, when it comes to the Steves, we're all in it together too. But I will I wanna start with this. I feel like at the moment there's no plan B for when things aren't going right. So what I mean by that is the Celtics shot 50% of their offensive attempts, like 50% of all of the Celtic shots against the Knicks were from free. Right, half of all of their offense came from beyond the perimeter. 
Now, I get it. I get the notion of, hey, if shots aren't falling, just keep shooting them because law of averages and the math, it'll all work out that eventually those shots are going to start to fall. That's fine. But whenever you're talking about averages and maths, we're talking about large sample sizes. They're going to average out over a large sample size. Now, that that doesn't mean it's going to happen on a game-to-game basis. If the lid's on the rim in this game, it might just be on the rim in this game. There needs to be a plan B. You know what I'm saying? Like, you need to start going away from certain things that aren't working, that are working. Like, you're, you're generating open shots, but they're not falling. So, effectively, they're not working. No one's shooting well. And you need to move into something that gives you a second option. Maybe that means that you run more dribble penetration actions instead of spamming a Spain pick and roll, which seems to be all they did against New York was, hey, we're going to run Spain pick and roll. If that don't work, that's what we're going to do. Another Spain pick and roll. Oh, it didn't work. I wonder why. Because you can't score today, fellas. Now get to the rim. So I want to start with that. Do you, I just want to see whether you think Joe Mazzula is being a little bit stubborn. Is there a plan B available to him? Like, I've got some thoughts on this that I'll dive into in a moment, but I just want to see where you guys are at with this. It's a, it's a good, good thought process to think of because it seems like our coach, I don't I don't want to say that he's stubborn, but but maybe he doesn't have a plan B or or a plan, you know, A squared or whatever it is, a second option to figure out if, if we're not making our shots, because they're the number one three-point shooting team, uh, team in the league. If they're not making their shots, like how else can we get some easier buckets? And it just doesn't seem like they can get inside and score. And and hence was why I feel like it always comes down to this. And this is not a shot at our bigs. It's just that it would be really cool to have a young, athletic, effective, scoring, rim, rim, all that together. Because I like Rob Williams. I think he can protect the rim well. He just can't score. Like, that's not his thing. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, yeah, he can get putbacks and lobs and all those good things. But, man, I watched Mitchell Robinson last night just have a game. And I'm like, why is he having – it's Mitchell Robinson, and I'm not taking away from him. I just feel like, why is he having a game? Why is he giving Rob Williams a tough mother-freaking time? Like, what is that? We know Al, uh, uh, Al Horford is a little older. But at the end of the day, I just feel like that's the silly piece we always come back to every year. Because when, we're, when we got to play a solid, good big, a really great big like a Joel Embiid, or just a solid athletic big like, like Jared Allen or now Mitchell Robinson, we find ways to struggle in scoring. And to me, that's why there's no plan B. I, I think it would start if we can get some easy buckets from our bigs that can allow those lanes to open up for guys to drive. Because I tell you, there's one person that's going to drive. He just don't give – it's either going to go in or not. Well, two people, Derek White and Malcolm Brock. They drive to the to the paint. Hopefully they get the foul call. I watched Derek White hit shots yesterday. I just was like, why are you doing that? But it went in. And so they'll drive. They're just not getting the calls. But we got to figure out ways – to score easier buckets. And I don't know if that's part of uh, our coach's game plan. Oh, I think part of that too, I would chalk it up to like JB not being in the game, but this isn't the first time that they've had this issue where like threes aren't falling and then they just don't have any other option on offense. And there've been some games where they put it together. where like, Oh yeah. Like our threes aren't falling. Maybe we should try and go ahead and do this thing. And like, Oh, what do you know? We cut into the lead and all of a sudden it's a game again. Like, you need to be able to change up the offense when it comes down to it. Like you're going to have to go ahead and play a defense. That's going to say, okay, go ahead and go and hit your shots. 
And I mean, I think Jalen Brunson said it in his post-game interview saying, you know, the Celtics just didn't hit threes. And it was, yeah, very obvious for us. I mean, they hit, what, nine threes on the night? Just a very, very rough performance. And again, it goes back to you're going to go ahead and take over 40 threes and you're going to hit nine of them. Maybe you should go ahead and change it up. I don't know how much of it comes down to not having rim pressure or maybe there needs to be more ball movement to try and get easier looks. Maybe there needs to be a little bit more of a mid-range game. I don't want to go ahead and chalk it up to just JB being out, but that definitely plays into it because he's one of their better slashers. He's one of their more confident three-point shooters, I think. Like he doesn't hesitate to take the three. Good Ever. for better or worse. He he's never <laughs> gonna hesitate. Well, and like, you know, you, you've seen some regression in certain guys too. Like Grant Williams has been non-existent. His minutes have been all over the map lately. Like he's getting 16 minutes. I think he got 16 minutes against the Knicks. He got six minutes against the Pacers. Like it's it's all up and down. You're not really getting any kind of consistency from him. And I just don't know how much of it is the offensive game plan or the rotations that you know Joe is trying to put together right now. But they need to be able to change things up. And I don't know if it's a lineups thing. It, it's weird because so far I, I pulled up the box scores for the last couple of games because this ties into the conversation. But they just went ahead and they got Mike Muscala. And he's had three straight DMPs. You, you, you went out and you add in another big who can shoot the three who can help get you a little bit more spacing, which if you're trying to score a little bit, he'll help. And they didn't play him at all. So I really don't know what the game plan is there. If it's just like, we want him to be better on defense and he's not there yet. He needs to get more acclimated to the system. Like, okay, but you've got 20 games left. Now all of a sudden you're going to be behind the bucks, which in the end, like I, it's not a big deal to me. It's not a big deal to be in first seed. I think it's important if you want home court, but like I am not lacking the confidence department that the Celtics can go into somebody else's house and win some games. Like I'm not nervous about that. If it comes down to health, like prioritize health. But I feel like if you were prioritizing health, then you would try and incorporate these other guys. And I, I don't get that. Like Grant's minutes are off. Mike Muscala is not being used. Like I don't know what Joe's thinking there. And I'm just, I'm wondering what you guys think, but like it just doesn't make sense to me. So I want to touch on the bomb bit where he was like, you know, JB's not there. <clears throat> Maybe that played a part because that was teeing me up for my next my next kind of thought process. Yeah. Because when you look at what the Celtics were doing offensively, with Jay, if you look at what they did with Jalen Brown, there's a lot of weak side stagger actions. They're putting two screeners on the weak side, having Jalen Brown curl over while there's a, screen, a pick and roll action happening on the strong side. And the reason you do that is, is because if the defense shuts down what you're doing on the strong side, you have that release valve in Jalen Brown that's just coming off a screen. He either has a mismatch or he's open that can get the ball and just start going downhill. And whether that means he's going to pull up from mid-range or whether it means he's going to get to the rim, that release valve is there. And I think Jalen Brown, in terms of like uh, an off-ball scorer, whether it be pull-ups, whether it be rip-through drives, whatever it may be, that stretches the D and it does add that extra layer of pressure. And then Jalen Brown's also capable of driving, reacting to the defense and kicking it out for that third. They call it a third side. If it swings one side, that second side, because you run one and then two, he can swing it back for that third side action. Without Brown in this game, they didn't run their stagger actions. There was no weak side stagger actions happening. So as the game goes on, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, so Tatum's bringing the ball up, but there's no release valve on the weak side. 
They're not putting Brogdon in that because they probably feel like Brogdon's a better straight line driver or better at snaking the dribble off the pick and roll. So they're not using Brogdon as that guy. Derek White's not that guy. And when I'm looking for the roster, I'm like, they don't have anyone to run off those stagger actions on the weak side, right? So in my head, I was like, here's a plan B for you. Let's take the ball out of JT's hands, take the creation off of him. You know, we've got Brogdon, you've got Smart, you've got White who can all create off the dribble. Let those guys bring the ball up and have Tatum operate in Jalen Brown's role as a release valve because his shots aren't falling, right? So we don't want him shooting threes at this point. He needs to see some going. What's the best way to do that? Have him come off a stagger screen and then just get the ball and attack downhill on a mismatch. And he's just going to be straight line driving after rip through every time. That to me was an easy plan B that I felt could have worked. And then, as Wayne said, you know, you've got Mitchell Robinson there that's kind of protecting the paint and you st- the C's kind of struggle against that type of athletic big man. Well, if you swung the ball onto a second side for JT that's come off the stagger screen, who's one of your best decision makers when t- when defenders close out? Jaylen, t- Jason Tatum. Mm-hmm. So you swing it to him as your offensive re- release valve. He drives, then he makes a decision. Does he pull on mid-range? Does he try and Euro step around? Robinson, can he get Robinson into foul trouble? Or do you have a Grant Williams or a Sam Hauser or an Al Horford on that third side corner, which is now the weak side corner, that you can swing that rock out to? It was just an adjustment that I was kind of expecting to see that didn't. And as the game progressed and Tatum got more frustrated because his shots weren't falling and they were kind of adjusting, like the Knicks adjusted their pickup points on him, so they were picking him up higher. And you could see it was frustrating him. I was like, why not just put him in that Jalen Brown role so then you can go back to offense that's been generating good looks for you all season? And that was what led me on to be like, yo, maybe Missoula isn't, doesn't have this plan B because that just felt like such a logical idea to me. I'm telling you, it, it, I, you, you kind of want to question, he's still learning, right? He, he's going to go through some growing pains and it's best that he goes through these growing pains now <laughs> And, and get this on film and get it on tape and go back and rewatch it and have that conversation with his coaches and say, hey, man, why didn't I just use Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown's role without, you know, him being here? Jason Tatum has become one of the most premier playmakers in the league, and I get it. And you want the ball in his hand, but when you're down a player, like, you know, like you were saying earlier, when you're down that guy, Tim was saying Jalen Brown is a guy that's going to be able to do this, do this, do this. Nine times out of ten, he's going to take that that lane. He's going to take that shot. He's going to do whatever he is because he's getting the ball. But with him not being there, there's a possibility that Jason Tatum was just putting the ball into his hands, trying to take the, the matters into his hands. You want to see that from a leader, but we weren't able to hit shots. And when you're not able to hit shots – Sometimes that coach has to step up and be like, listen, we got to change something up. We need an adjustment period. We need and halftime would have been perfect. We were down, but like at that would have been perfect to make that adjustment if you can't make the on-fly adjustments after a timeout or in the game. And I, I'm not gonna lie, like I kept feeling like the Knicks were giving, you know, the Celtics every opportunity to come back and win that game. Like there were so many chances and I'm like, all we got to do, yo, we're down by nine. All we got to do is do this, do this. And then we take a shot and it just goes out or they'll turn the ball over, give it right back. And then bad pass in the lane. It was just weird basketball to watch. The energy just seemed off at the garden, Madison square garden. That is, it just seemed weird. Uh, But listen, I will say this on the bright side, 
Celtics usually struggle with the Knicks because of their, to me, their youth, their speed, athleticism, all those different types of things. It's a matchup thing. Uh, with with Brunson being there, it makes it a little bit different. But I feel like it's it's a learning it's a learning thing for the Celtics. I feel like they'll be able to learn from it. And you know, when we're down a player for whatever reason, we just have to learn how to adjust. So let's see what happens in the next game. Yeah, and I think that's another big thing and we're going to segue into this topic i think that's actually a perfect way to do it you talk about athleticism especially when it comes to looking at how rob really struggled with mitchell robinson like mitchell robinson and julius randall too very physical like (laughs) very physical very athletic no you can't hear it in the audio because wayne's mic's muted but wayne is very animated and i I couldn't figure out (laughs) It, it had to do with the physicality not the athleticism right I felt like Rob was getting out physical. There was a rebound Rob had in his hand. He just got, he just got it taken out of his hand. He got out hustled. Like, I feel like that's Tibbs too. Like that's what Tibbs kind of preaches is like this very physical brash, like hard nose, old school style, like basketball coach. Like, he was part of that 08 squad for a reason. Good you know, point. part of that coaching and, and this staff. This is what Boston struggle with as well, right? Like Chicago have their number by getting up under them early. That's what's led to Chicago ah. being one of these teams that really get the best of Boston is, hey, we're going to get right up in your face. We're going to play hard-nosed physical basketball and we're just going to make like tough. We're not a better team than you, but we're going to disrupt passing lanes. We're going to disrupt driving lanes. And we're just going to frustrate the hell out of you and let you guys start shooting yourself in the foot. And that's kind of like Josh Hart played that role for New York to a a T against Boston, right? And when you look at like New York's kind of resurgence, Josh Hart's had a lot to do with that because he's come in and now he's a disruptor. It's why when Drew Holiday's healthy for Milwaukee, Milwaukee are pain in the ass. Obviously, you're worried about Giannis. Let's not, I'm not saying that, Milwaukee are the same as Chicago or New York. I'm, I'm very aware that they're not. But Drew Holiday is a disruptor. It's a pain in the ass to deal with because every pass is contested. Every off-ball drive has someone trying to stunt at you. And that's kind of been Boston's kryptonite for a year or two at this point. Is just teams know, certain teams just know how to fluster them. And then, as you said, you start making simple mistakes. You get rebounds taken away from you. You... Maybe you're shooting a shot a quarter of a second too early or too late. And now all of a sudden you're trying to play transition defense and that's not really your team's, like where your team's strong. So I agree. But I think that New York are just following a blueprint that Chicago have laid out. And even Orlando to a lesser degree have figured that out as well. I think Cleveland too. Like Cleveland's got serious athleticism and they play physical with the bigs that they have. And that's why going into this game on Wednesday, uh, I do get a little bit nervous because this is a team that more likely than not, if things break the right way, you're going to end up seeing them deep in the playoffs. And they're a team that I don't put very far behind Milwaukee as a threat in the East because of how they play and just the construction of their roster. And it, it ties into the conversation about not having that athleticism or that physicality really at the center spot with Rob the being the way that he is right now. And I don't, I don't know how much of it is like what percentage of health he's at or mm. if it's his approach to offense, like just something's not clicking there or at least not clicking all the time. There've been certain games where Rob's looked fantastic and there's been other games where he hasn't. And I do wonder if like there's 
an opportunity there for the Celtics to try and change things up or switch up the rotations, stagger Rob's minutes with Horford's minutes. Like if you want to use the double bigs, maybe you don't start with that. Maybe you go to that towards like the end of games. If you're trying to close out with some size, like there are different options on the table that I feel like they need to start exploring because I feel like there are certain players that aren't getting used to the best of their capabilities. I think Muscala falls in that category. And I think Grant Williams falls in that category. And I know Grant's been struggling, but like we know that he can do more. And I'm just wondering if what, what the deal is there. Like, did he fall out of Joe's good graces? Because his minutes have seriously taken a hit. And I really don't know why. Maybe he wants to get paid. I mean, I get that, but like, there's one way to get paid, right? Like, it's to play well. If we don't play, you, your value's going to drop. Obviously, I'm joking. That will be messed up. That'll poison the water well there. But but when he goes out there, if he wants to get his value back up, then he needs to, you know, play. Yeah. And I feel like in general, right? I mean, obviously, I'm joking when I say this. No, he had a stretch of games where Grant looked like it was time to pay Grant. Like, yeah, it ain't going to be the number he want, but yeah, like, Let's let's get him. Let's keep him on this team. He's a part of this team. He he's a, he plays a very good piece to this team. Uh, you don't want to break that up. And then there's just times where he just doesn't seem like he's there, or he's he's. You know what? The one thing that frustrates about me, like, it, let me ask you, this. is he he's more he, he seems like he's more of a catch and shoot type of guy, right? Like, and so like when he gets the ball, he'll take the stupid dribble, and to me, it'll break up the rhythm of him just shooting the ball. I'd rather him just catch it, shoot it. If it go in, it goes in. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. But he does try to clear that extra space. Or he'll try to drive it around three people because he has the John Morant moves somewhere unlocked or unleashed into his repertoire. And it doesn't look good. And so, like, he he does little things that just really irk your nerves uh, if you're a Celtics fan watching the sport, but I do like what he brings to the table. And so like at some point they just, they need to let Grant be Grant and figure it out, especially during the adjustment periods. Like when, if your team is down and they just can't, your starting lineup just can't figure it out, man. Listen, put the bench in, do something different, provide, try to provide a spark at that moment. And that's where I feel like, you know, when we were talking about our coach earlier, He's learning and we got to give him some type of a grace period to go through these growing pains because come playoffs, I guarantee you is going to be different. He'll rely on his players that he can trust. And things will be a little bit different. Do you ever feel like Grant Williams is the, the front court version of Marcus Smart? So like, you know, you know, defense is his calling card. He's versatile defensively. He's switchable as a big. He can guard some of the most elite bigs in the league better than what, somebody of his size and skill level should be able to. And, he and now, his, now his offense has kind of caught up, but he, he's trying to do too much with it. And fans are starting to get frustrated with that. Now, if you go back two, three years ago with Marcus Smart, Smart. the biggest thing that irked Celtics fans was like Smart was taking shots outside of his role. Or that's at least how people felt, right? They were like, Smart, Smart's trying to do too much. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm all for Grant Williams attacking a closeout from the corner, driving hard on the baseline and then trying to finish or making a read out of that. You've got to be able to do that to keep defenders honest on those corner threes. I'm okay with him running fake Diochos and then driving when there's an open lane because he's blew up the defense. Outside of that, I'm with you as a catch-and-shoot guy. So sometimes, like recently, when I've seen a lot of the Ritter roll online, I'm like, yo, Grant's, 
the front court Marcus Smart. Obviously, I'm not saying he's a defensive player of the year caliber defender, but I'm just on about kind of the trajectory he's been on. He was really disliked. He was loved in his first year, hated in his sophomore year. People loved him last season, and now they feel like he's doing too much, too much drawing, too much offensively, too much this, that, and the other. And and now everyone's uh, now everyone's split on what his value is, just like they were with Marcus Smart. And I just see a lot of similarities in their development. So I think that I'm very curious whether you guys see those, those similarities as well. And for anybody watching this or anybody listening on on the podcast version, like let me know your thoughts, man, because this is something I've been toying with for at least a week or two. Very interesting. Very interesting. I, I would say that. And so I, if, if I was comparing him to like the Marcus Smart, you know, it, it was more like uh, uh, from to me, what I love about Grant is his uh what's those type of players that we the grit the gritty players right like diving for the loose balls taking the charges like doing those types of things some of the and that's what you see grant hill doing but like you said his offense kind of caught up grant will grant will you better call him hill again (laughs) i was gonna let it slide but i'm like no i don't know i have this infatuation with grant hill for some reason, because he didn't play. Like he's like, just gonna I, end up with the Pistons. That's why I just find it so funny. <laughs> Wait, is that what we're doing? No, that is not what we're saying. All right, anyway, Grant will like he just you know he he does the intangible things, and when it's his time, I don't have a problem with him taking shots. I have a problem with him like second guessing the damn shot. I think that's what it is. Like, dude, shoot the shoot, shoot the shot. You could, you know, you can do it, and then it's like he'll second guess it, he'll pump fake, and then he'll pass out to someone that's going to take a bad shot. Or the time the clock is expiring, and it's just like, damn it, Grant, like be confident all the time, which is different from Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart was uber confident; he didn't give a what you thought. (laughs) He would take the shot, didn't care if it was bad, if it was airballed, he didn't care. He would do it. It's not like with Jalen. You know, Brown does too. They just take shots. You'd be like, what are you doing? Is this percentage thing high or what? So I don't have a problem with that, but I do see the comparison. I kind of like that, Adam. That I mean, they're two high IQ basketball players, right? Like they have very high basketball IQ. They're both very smart. They both bring a lot of intangibles to the table. Both very much glue guys. Like I think Grant is important to that locker room uh, more than like we probably realize in some cases. But, you know, we've seen him step up in big games. We saw him step up in the playoffs against Milwaukee. Uh, I remember, his, I think it was his rookie year because it was the bubble, I think, right? Or was that sophomore year? I'm trying to think. But he, he he made that massive play against Toronto where he blocked that last second three-point shot. So, like, he is – defense was his calling card, and then he added that three ball. And now, like, I think this season – Part of it probably has to do with the fact that he is trying to get a contract. It is a contract year, so that kind of changes the way that guys approach the season going into it. Um, as much as you try not to, like obviously that money, in you know, you never know what happens during the season. I mean, like, <clears throat> it's the best point. way to get paid as a role player his age is to just contribute to a championship. Yeah, well, I agree with that, but I'm saying like. We we talked about him trying to add like different wrinkles to his offensive yeah, game. Like, you know, it's I, I think attacking the closeout, like him driving, being able to put the ball to the paint. Like he he's not hesitating to do those things, but I do agree. Wayne hit on it specifically. Like he at least over the past few weeks, maybe the past month, I have seen him go up for threes and then he just pump fakes out of them and then passes. And it's like, no, we we need you to hit those threes. We need you to not be afraid to take them. And I don't know what 
I don't know what's happening there. If, where the second guessing comes from, like, was he going on a little bit of a cold streak offensively? And that's just impacted him since then. But like his shot attempts seem to have gone down significantly. Um, he's not adding as much as I thought he would be doing offensively. I don't know. Like maybe there was an expectation that he thought he was going to get traded and that's changed things. I really don't know. It's just all speculation at this point, but they need him to get back to what he was doing earlier on in the season, especially, I mean, like he's not the only player you can say that for because obviously the Celtics were a wagon at the beginning of the year. Now they've kind of been up and down a little bit as they've navigated injuries, so on and so forth. But they need Grant to get back to what he was because you you need a guy like that. You need someone to be able to play defense and to be a high IQ player, make the right passes, make the right plays, and, and hit your threes and not be afraid to shoot them. And I just don't know where that fear is coming from. It's really, really weird. Somebody somewhere told him off. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> Very well could be. Somebody it's somewhere like, told him, like, yo, you're taking too many of my shots away. <laughs> Yeah. It's Al Horford. Al Horford's like, hey, <laughs> Al Horford, I'm still here. Al Horford, my spot, man. Too. Shoot, like you know, hit yeah, his shots. Yeah, huge well. against Philly. That was massive. He's yeah. been huge. Al Horford's been money recently from yeah. the. Mm. Like, uh, I love Al Horford, man. I saw it. I was watching his post game press conference earlier, and he's just wearing like. I call them regular people clothes because, like, you watch Jason Tatum is sitting there in like a massive Dolce and Gabbana, like. Big ass coat. <laughs> and then you got out, and then you got Al Horford, and he's just in like a windbreaker. You're like, yeah, he's just man. shopping at like Old Navy or something. <clears throat> Super relatable. Al Horford is a veteran, and he's going to spend his money. He already spent his money back in the day. He's like, yeah, he's got kids now. He's yeah. like, yo, my kids are walking around with the gums, not me. <laughs> he's you got that I mean? Oscosh bagosh money. <laughs> he, he, he rich, 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 rich. I mean. One of the things that you said before we got onto the Grant Williams was like obviously the Celtics outside of Rob and outside of Brown, they're lacking a little bit of athleticism. And one thing that Grant can do for you is he can bully drive. He can drop his shoulder down and bully you on the drive to the rim. And I think that's something they were missing against guys like Mitchell Robinson is you need to be able to dislodge them. And you need to have be enough of a scoring threat that they step outside of that four feet circle away from the rim to try and meet you a little bit higher. But you need to be physical enough to be able to move them uh, or to explode past them once you once you get them on your hip. And that leads me to another point: like, do the Celtics need just a, an explosive rotation guy, somebody they can plug in? for three, four, five minutes a night just to give you a little bit more explosiveness and give that offense a little bit of juice. Doesn't matter what position because we're not asking them to be much of a... They're literally there just to juice on the athleticism. Similar to what, like... Um, you think of Montreal Harrell, maybe? Yeah, or like Peyton like Second, yeah, like yeah, yeah, GP two, yeah, yeah, kind of like those guys, right? Where they're just there, and like their early years, especially Peyton GP two, his early years, he was simply there as an undersized lob threat that was just going to be juicing the offense for three, four, five minutes a night and yeah. giving teams matchup issues because you can go small but play above the rim, and that's a nightmare. You know what I mean? If you can go small, so teams have to go small with you to match you, but now you can still play above the rim. That, that's an, that's an issue, and like defensively. And I think some the more I watch the Celtics recently, I'm like, 
they just need someone they can plug in just again just to hit that turbo charge on on the offense for five four five minutes a night maybe a minute minute 30 second spurt where it's just like hey we've got this guy now all of a sudden the defense has got to change a little bit and you can just try and get a little bit of a bit of momentum going off a lob pass or maybe off like attacking a closeout with a big dunk and sometimes I'm like, like that kind of impact is often overlooked where like you ask any player, you see them in any press conference, they're like, yeah, we feed off that energy, man. You know, when someone drops a big dunk, you're like, I felt the energy shift. Just having a guy that can come in and do that for you after like short minutes makes a ton of sense to me. Was, this is me kind of pushing for J.D. Davison to get that last spot on the rotation, by the way. Hmm. I mean, you, you've talked about him a lot, especially with this athleticism. And I that's mean, the thing for me, right? It's the, it's the explosiveness, but it's like, do you think he's ready to do that? I mean, I or mean, is there a guy that you can do jump? I feel like there's a few more moving parts to that, but like, I understand what you're saying. This is where I kind of missed like, the chance to go out and get a guy like Javante Green or like Derek Jones Jr., like some kind of athletic wing that's just mm-hmm. going to kill in the transition. Uh, we saw today, right before we recorded, Will Barton signed with the Raptors. So that's another option that had been tied to the Celtics, gone off the table. Nerlens Noel just got waved by Detroit. Uh, I know that the Celtics were like briefly. They do him. not need another big. I I would say that, except I just watched them got getting absolutely bodied by the Knicks. So I'm like, Mitchell Robinson's dislodging Noel the same way he dislodged Rob. Yeah, but again, and that's where it's like I don't know if there's anyone that they can add that can help them in that department. We'll find Andre like- Drummond if that's what you're really after. <laughs> Exactly, right? Like, that's the problem. Mouth, you start right? getting these big, physical, slow, plodding big men. It's slow. And, that's the and everybody's <laughs> like, oh, I don't want that. Well, there's only one Mitchell Robinson out there. Unless you want to try and bring in Zion or someone of that type of... Yeah, like, you got two, you got two choices, right? You go athletic and wiry, which you've got. Even Clint Capella's going to struggle against Mitch because Mitch is athletic and, like, you know... Muscular. He's, he's, he's tick. He's big. He's a big fella. You know what I'm saying? Mm, so, you put on a lot of weight. So then if you want to go against that, you need that slow, physical, back-to-the-basket presence in Drummond. And let's be honest with you, if you're making adjustments to your entire roster based on dealing with the Knicks, I'm sorry, but your expectations (laughs) are too low for this team because the Knicks are going to be an afterthought come midway through the postseason. I'm not trying to throw no shade, but... You know, well, it's not, it's, that's not fair to say because it's not just the Knicks, Adam. It's when we play athletic, physical dudes, and we got some young guys like Jared Allen is not as big and as solid as Mitchell Robinson, that's but he's just, he's just as strong. But he's just as strong. And then when you even playing Milwaukee, they're, they're, they're strong guys. Like, you know, it would be cool to have somebody a little bit that can take on more of that little physical, you know, physical role uh, as a big. Or or Rob Williams, you know, in the offseason, just got to get in the gym and just get a little bit bigger and stronger. I think that's what it comes down to. And hopefully this next season coming up, he'll be able to do that because he won't be dealing with the injury uh, situation. So I think that's kind of like what I'm alluding to. Like, I'm not trying to say get this big just to deal with that. That's funny. What about Carmelo Anthony? He's not the explosive guy. Oh, Adam loves trying to get Carmelo. He's not for a lot of reasons. He's different. He's a wing. He's big. He's a bucket getter. He's a bucket guy. Yeah. He's a bucket guy. He's a guy you don't want to leave on a one-on-one matchup because if you do, he's gonna pull up and shoot in your face. Old man buckets. Old man buckets. Why not? I mean, why not? (laughs) Old man buckets sounds like a title. Like, oh, like old man (laughs) Roger. I'm down for that, right? Like. (laughs) 
So here's my thing. If you were going to add another big, you need to try and find a way to cut one. And that's just going to become problematic financially. Yeah. Right? In my opinion, if you're talking about a big that can deal with that strength and athleticism a little bit more, that's what Blake Griffin was added to the rotation to do. You know, that's Blake Griffin's sole remit, go in there and be that big, strong body for us. So I think that's already there. I've been asking for Carmelo Anthony to be on this roster since the offseason. He has. Uh, I will say that we've got like many episodes where we've talked about Carmelo, specifically okay. Carmelo. I want Carmelo Anthony to win a championship and I want him to yeah, do why it. Why not win it in Boston, right? Exactly. More so because then we can look at the Knicks like, ha, you couldn't do it in all those years. We did it in four months. <laughs> and then that would <laughs> rubbing it in their face. That would be well, the same thing for Blake, like Blake too, right? Like to be able to go to a team and finally like yeah. This is the de- this is the definition of a ring chaser being able to go out there in the the twilight of your career and why do that. are we not utilizing him more? Again, this goes back to the decisions by Joe. Like it's is it like a rotational thing? I thought like we talked I talked about it before a little bit, but like they added Mascala, so I thought that they would maybe slide Mascala in at the four, maybe uh, have Cornette or I mean, yeah, Blake, I know it's the 14th, but like I'm just saying to give you different looks if you want to get more physical with more size. Like, in Luke Cornette in a minute. That well, I could pull up his minutes too because I still get up those stats. But yeah, he got a DMP against this was against the 76ers. He got a DMP against. Let's see. I mean, Blake's just in there on the bench, yeah. like laughing. He got and, like five minutes against the Pacers too. So, not a lot. Nah. I mean, Griffin played a little bit against New York. His shot weren't falling, but I like him there. But, yeah, I mean, look, I want a wing at that final 15th position. I would be very, very, very comfortable with it being Carmelo Anthony. I would also be comfortable with it being somebody like Tony Snell. So oh, That's another one, too, yeah, and he's just chilling in Maine at this point now. Yeah, he's chilling, chilling. It's just like, do you think he's ready? Do you think he's capable of coming in and contributing at all? I mean, he's a former NBA or so like, I don't have any, again, we're talking about the 15th spot, but like they need a little bit of juice, like a little bit of energy. Someone who gives him a little bit of a kick. They need me. <laughs> I'll do whatever. I'll just, I'll take bodies. I'll take charges. I'll pass. I'll be the most willing passer ever. I will never not pass it. <laughs> I'll just drop kick someone and get kicked out the game, but at least I set a tone. <laughs> I'll be that sacrificial lamb, you know what I mean? Put me in there for like 15 seconds. Let me just hurt someone, make everyone realize this is how we should be playing, and then let them take on with their actual skills. <laughs> just pay me a vet minimum. I never have to work again. Vet minimum is like 500K, dude. So that pretty much wraps me up, though. I feel like I've hit every <laughs> true point that I wanted to touch on. Is there anything else either of you guys wanted to hit on before we let everybody get up out of here? I mean, I know a lot of people are going to like probably blow this out of proportion because we lost to the New York Knicks. But you said something earlier, a little while ago. You said like it's not going to matter, you know, come down to the playoffs, man. Uh, so everybody out there listening and watching, man, listen, it's, it's, a, it's a single game. And it's all about the rebound and, and how they go out there and they look, you know, in, against their next matchup. Who we got next? Cleveland, I believe. Yes, yeah. sir. And so, look. Let's see what happens in that game. I'm sure they're going to come out with a different energy. JB should be back. So it's, it's you know, game by game. 20 games left. Celtics just need to get into the playoffs. Secure a spot. Lock it down. They're going to be good to go. Go green. And if they do lose to Cleveland, 
it's still not the end of the world. It's going to suck at the time. It's going to suck very bad. It does suck what we lose. But, you know, a day or two later, you'll be focusing on them beating Brooklyn. So, you know, it is what it is. Just, you know, just ride it out. I'm here for all the happiness and all the sadness. Tim, have you got any closing thoughts? Um, here's hoping the comforts of home are a little bit nicer than the road. Um, yeah. Took two out of three on the, on the first, you know, road trip after the All-Star break. So I don't really have too much to complain about. I mean, they didn't have JB against the Knicks. So, like, take that for what you will. We talked about that. But, I mean, at this point now, it's just keep health. Like, just be healthy. That's the primary thing. Keep everybody healthy. Okay, and I'm going to close out with this. To that one hater that keeps commenting that nobody likes my accent, but yet you keep watching the videos, I hope you enjoyed another 40 minutes of me. Bitch!